Hello, this is Imogen Ragone at Body Learning. This interview is part of a series I am conducting with different Alexander Technique teachers, especially more senior, successful teachers, to find how, how they go about teaching a first lesson. I believe and I hope that this will become a valuable resource for us all. So, my guest today is Arielle Weiss. Arielle has been teaching in the Philadelphia area since certifying in 1988. In addition to her private practice, she coaches opera singers and instrumentalists at the Curtis Institute of Music, ice dancers at the Philadelphia Skating Club, retirees at Crosslands Community, and she trains Alexander Technique teachers for Martha Furtman's training course, the Philadelphia School for the Alexander Technique. Ariel trained as a modern dancer and choreographer, and her expertise is in analyzing complex movement sequences and in applying Alexander's principles in a wide range of activities. Welcome to the show, Ariel. Thank you so much, Imogen. It's a pleasure to do this with you. Oh, I'm very happy to have you here. Um, so I'm really excited to learn more about your approach to teaching a first lesson. And what I mean by a first lesson is with a brand new student um, who hasn't had any Alexander experience all worked with you before so I've had lessons with you but I wasn't <laughs> a brand new um, <laughs> student to the technique um, yes so starting at the very beginning when a prospective new student contacts you um, whether that's by email or by phone do you have a particular way you like to handle it uh, maybe specific questions you ask or information you want to give them before you meet I actually find that I'm doing less information gathering before I meet someone in person because I find that meeting them in person is much more valuable in terms of the information I want. And I want to be able to not only read words or listen to their voice, I want to be able to watch how they're moving as I get the information. Mm. So I have learned to be much more succinct. Uh, in terms of a first encounter with a prospective student. I want to find out what their interest is and if I think I might be able to help them. And I actually try to get them to come in for a lesson. Uh, so it's much more about scheduling and, and business matters. Right. Um, so as you're talking about the business matters side of it, um, how... Do you handle the payment issue? I kind of think this is, and I don't even mean how much you charge. I mean, um, you know, when when do you collect the payment? Um, I think that can be a, kind of like an awkward moment for a lot of us. Um, do you do it in advance at the beginning or the end of the lesson? So, Well, what I will say is what I have learned to be very, very clear about is when I initially speak to someone or email someone to make sure they understand exactly where they're going, when they're going to see me, how much the lesson's going to cost, and what forms of payment I accept, and also 
that I have a 24-hour cancellation policy. So I've become very um, dutiful about making sure I'm very clear on those parameters so that there's no doubt or question that I've set that forth. Um, Then I accept payment at the end of a lesson, and um, I guess it's gotten less awkward over time. I'll say that. Good to know. (laughs) (laughs) And... um, How important is a first lesson? Well, I think a first lesson is a a bit like a first date. You want to see if you're a good match. And in my mind, it's a tremendous opportunity uh, to take a little survey and see what's going on with your pupil and to kind of introduce them to this marvelous work. Mm -hmm. And my goal is always to really engage their curiosity, to give them an experience that's other than what they've had previously, uh, and to show them quite, to demonstrate that the work will have a practical usefulness to them. And that's a tall order for a first lesson. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, so where do you start when they first walk in the door? What's the first thing? What happens first? I'd say the first thing that happens is that I'm going to gather information and I want to gather information with all of my senses. So from the moment I see someone, excuse me, I'm going to watch them as they walk into my studio. I'm going to ask them some questions. I'll watch how they write and fill out my little contact information form. And as they tell me why they've come to see me, I want to gather as many clues about how they're responding to certain stimuli. So it's it's all about gathering information. That's great. So when you so you've already been gathering information, but when you actually um, get around to actually teaching, uh, where do you begin? Is there something standard that you like to begin with, or are you really? drawing from that information that you've just gathered where you'd like to begin or a bit of both (laughs) no I'd say there's not anything too standard about what I'm doing other than the goals I've already talked Uh about in terms of getting to know someone and giving them enough sense that the work is going to be useful to them Um, I'd say I've gotten much more comfortable in a highly improvisational approach Mm. and I also think that I'm much more comfortable in liberating myself from any sense of responsibility to accurately um, employ the Alexander technique in a way that they, the person leaving can then be an advocate. So, so what do I mean? My, my primary responsibility is not that they understand what the technique is. My primary responsibility is to help the person in front of me using the tool of the principles that I understand. And I'd say that's a pretty big shift that's happened over time for me. That means um, I may not even talk about their head-neck-back balance in a first lesson. Mm -hmm. I may speak much more generally about how much effort they're employing, or I may speak more generally about how they're using their attention to kind of get them... I call it setting the scene. Mm -hmm. And what I'm looking for as I'm gathering information is some kind of organizing 
stimulus that I see. Um, and, and I'm going to um, choose a way in. I'm going to choose a way in and try to get a sense of who that person is in, in terms of what kind of language, um, in terms of do I need to use my hands right away? Is it a matter of giving them some basic body mapping information? Is it a matter of me demonstrating what I see um, or having them put their hands on me as I demonstrate? And likely to use a number one of those strategies. Oh, that's very interesting. And I love what you said about liberating yourself. <laughs> that was that's <laughs> great. Um, so having said that, that you have this very um, sort of responsive and improvisational approach, is there anything you would say that you deliberately do not introduce? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> is there anything I deliberately do not? Well, for instance, um, there was one teacher I interviewed who, who does not introduce or does not do table work in a first lesson typically, um, though he will introduce it later. Um, I don't think I have any steadfast rules. I think I'm really trying to stay responsive to what I see, what I hear, what I sense. Um, so, for instance, if someone comes in that is having chronic neck and back pain, and headaches and things. Mm -hmm. I might very well do some lying down work with them in a first lesson and suggest that they that's something they can do mm -hmm. on their own because I think that might very well help them. As a matter of fact, Imogen, mm -hmm. I, I think I've already confessed this to you, but I direct them to uh, an audio file that you made of a long <laughs> lesson and offer that as a resource to my students because if I think that's going to help them, I use that as a tool. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, great. So you've been teaching the technique, is that for over 27 years? Does that sound right? Um, I think that is right. Yes. Yeah, so how... It sounds like your approach has evolved because you've talked about you've got better at this or you've let this go. So how would you say it has changed since you first started out? Well, I, as I say to my students all the time, we get better at what we practice. Mm. So I definitely feel much calmer in those moments uh, that as teachers I think I'm not alone uh, that previously made me much more anxious such as oh they're not getting what I'm saying huh. or oh they're not really responding to what my hands are saying or they're moving but they can't sense that they're moving mm. uh, they don't sense a change that's happened um, right. I think my ability to uh, switch directions, my willingness to try something else, and my ability and willingness to wait that's, that, have like, increased. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's great. Um, so you mentioned that you would give the constructive rest as homework. Is there any other homework? that you give your students? 
<laughs> and, <laughs> and I, I have a, a I, and I, yeah, well, I know, <laughs> I know what you gave me. No, just kidding. So. Yes, mm-hmm. I do give my students homework and I try to make it as fun and worry-free as possible. Uh, what and you I, do from the get-go, is, from the very first lesson. From the very get-go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because what I'm wanting to communicate with my students is, is a number of things. One is that this is an educational process and that change is going to happen over time and that the more time they put in, uh, the more they'll get out of it. That the way they got so good at their habits was by practicing them. And I want them to feel like that actively uh, seeking out information, um, self-observation and experimentation is, is the way to go. That it's not that I somehow am magic. It's not my hands. It is a thinking process. And that the thinking process they can take with them when they leave my studio. And that in the end, they might be the best teacher around. Their own thought process. Well, I'm busy here just nodding my head. I love all of that. (laughs) Yes, totally agree. Um, So you mentioned giving them the information about the audio or constructive rest. Do you have any handouts or written information you give students or do you ever write notes for them or have them write notes? (laughs) Um. Well, I've done different things with different students over time. Um, The opera singers that I work with will often record their lessons. Mm. The senior citizens that I'm teaching have asked for taking the last five minutes of class to write their own notes. Mm. And several times in my private practice, I've done that with students, done a recap at the end, and they've taken notes. My handwriting's terrible, so I don't do that for them. Um, I've been thinking about more ways to support my students. And one venture that I'm hoping to get into shortly is creating a series of short videos. Mm. Because I think that's so much how people are researching things these days that I'm thinking there are, there are ideas I can get across in a video that might be a great resource for my students. So I'm interested in producing some. Oh, I think that's a wonderful idea. I'm looking forward to those. So, yeah. Um, so what would you see as maybe some of the typical or potential mistakes is maybe a strong word, but maybe pitfalls new teachers kind of, kind of get into when they're starting out and teaching these first lessons with people? What, what, what would it be good for them to be aware of? Well, I, I, again, for me, I think there is a distinction between feeling beholden to be true to Alexander technique mm. or being true to what the person in front of you is going to comprehend and be able to apply. Mm, yeah, I like that. And... So it's not really my aim that they really understand the Alexander technique. 
I don't know if that makes sense to you. It does. And that is a liberating thought, too. No, I like that. Um, so any other advice just generally maybe for newer teachers um, as they go into teaching these first lessons? Well, I know for me personally, I had such a strong experience with my first lessons of utter despair. Oh, dear. (laughs) I had a teacher that was teaching in a style that was just not a very good match for me. Mm. And I had such a strong sense of failure. I couldn't understand how I could be so terribly ignorant not to get what my teacher was asking me to not do as it was, Uh um, that I really want to encourage the teacher trainees that I am guiding to follow the lead of their student, Mm -hmm. to follow the lead of their student and to kind of join them in a way that will make sense. So I might have a fabulous idea. And know exactly what's wrong with your use and might know the perfect way to fix it. And if it isn't comprehensible to you, that's not going to be very helpful. Mm. And I hope you could hear my tongue-in-cheek clearly (laughs) end-gaining that. So this willingness, um, I, I think one of the best examples for me is I used to just cringe when a student would say, oh, it's, it's so subtle. Mm. And what I've done is I've taken that as a good teacher to me that I want to be as concise and clear as I possibly can. Mm. I personally want to be practically useful it's another reason why I give people homework. I want them to understand that the manner of their use affects how they function and how they feel. And if I have them pay attention to how they brush their teeth in the morning or bend over to chop carrots, they might start to make this very direct link to the way they organize their movement affects how they function and how they feel. Yeah, that's great. I couldn't agree more. Um, so before we finish up, is there anything else you'd like to add or sh- share? Um, well, I'd say one thing is that before someone leaves the lesson, I do want to kind of help them do a little bit of a review and my, my own personal guiding principle is that there's one salient idea for that person to take with them. Uh, yeah, oh, I like... I'm one, like, okay, they didn't get all the Alexander Technique has to offer, but they have one little idea to take with them, to be curious about, to experiment with. And I guess the other thing is I want to set the scene and open their imagination about how lessons might be useful to them and to encourage them to think about that in the period of time, which is most often going to be a week before I see them again, Mm -hmm. but possibly longer, 
to encourage them to kind of keep an ear out, an eye out, a sense out for what might be helpful to bring into the lesson. That might be to bring in a musical instrument or a particular situation that was either problematic or challenging or even just interesting. Because I love requests. Mm. I love questions. And if I can engage my student in that kind of exchange with me, they're always going to get a better lesson. And I'm also getting them to actively participate in this learning exchange. Yeah, no, that's good. And going back to what you said at the beginning about how you finish up with review, um, actually, that's great, but also reminds me, that's a question I haven't asked people, which would be really useful, is how do you finish, (laughs) how do you end this first lesson? And I think you just answered that. Um, But um, that would be very good to know from other teachers too. It is, and I and I think that too, creating um, a good container for your students mm-hmm. in how you start a lesson and how you end, to make sure that you're making time and room for questions mm-hmm. and requests. In my case, I love requests. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also down to the very practical of scheduling the next lesson, because I used to be very shy about that and very hesitant to ask someone to commit to scheduling. Mm. Whereas, in fact, I think it quite supports their learning uh, to do it right then and there. People are very busy. And if they walk out your door without scheduling the next lesson, it's actually more work for you and for them. Yeah, right. Um, Great. Got another extra great tip from you. (laughs) Thank you. So thank you so much. Ariel, this has been really interesting and I think it's really very valuable. Um, So my guest today has been Ariel Weiss. If you'd like to get in touch with her or find out more about her practice, we'll put a link to her website next to the interview. We'll also put a link to a site where you can find a teacher anywhere in the world. So thanks so much, Ariel, for being on the show. Thank you for all this tremendous work you're doing. Oh, you're welcome.